<laughs> so, um, yes, my name is Noemi Chavez, and um, I've been pastoring alongside my husband for over 10 years in the city of Long Beach. And um, we um, pastor uh, what we love to say is an awesome church because we love it, right? We're supposed to feel that way about our church. But we also know that um, God sometimes trusts us with some incredible opportunities that don't have some that don't just have to do with the local church, but his kingdom at large. And so um, I want to talk to you guys about Brave today because it's something that God has, has birthed through our ministry that is now impacting our nation and it's impacting other countries as well. And you're, you'll hear more about that in a minute. I'm going to give to you the heart of it. And then Miley, who is um, my dear friend, will be, will be presenting you with the... All the logistics of it, all the stuff that make it work within the local church. So a few years ago, four years ago, actually, um, in 2014, we learned that, um, especially in, in America and in California specifically, um, a little over 80% of girls that are being trafficked were at one point in foster care. So our church has an initiative where we reach women that are being trafficked. We have a drop-in center. Um, we have a diversion program for women that are being trafficked. If they go through our program, we can remove the prostitution from their paperwork so that they don't have this on their record. And so we love that we get to help women that are already on the streets. But then we also know that there is a target that the enemy has on girls that are in foster care now. And so we thought, what if we found a way to connect with girls that are most vulnerable and most at risk now, what if we became an answer now? What if we impacted them now before, you know, the boyfriend or the pimp or somebody tries to drag them into the lifestyle because of hopelessness as to what it is? So we started um, a conversation with um, the Department of Child and Family Services, and we also had a conversation with probation. Because if you know um, anything about probation and foster care is that a lot of these files overlap each other. And so we thought, how can we create a relationship with foster care and probation? We are the church, right? Mm -hmm. And so because we are the church, we knew that immediately there was going to be some roadblocks because people in government positions have very strong opinions about church folk, right? And we got that up front immediately in the first meetings. We had um, lunch meetings or connection meetings with um, the Bureau Chief of Probation of our city and all the surrounding cities of that entire district. And we also met with um, people who were high in command with the Department of Child and Family Services because we wanted to form a trust relationship. So one of the first things they said to us were, are you going to be laying on of hands? How do they even know how to say <laughs> laying on of hands, right? Are you going to be laying on of hands on people? Are people going to be speaking in tongues? Are the girls going to be falling over? And like, these are non-believers saying this stuff to us. <laughs> and I said, no, we are not going to do that. What we want to do is present the girls with stories of hope. <clears throat> so this is how we, this is how we engage the conversation. And we knew from the beginning that as a church, we were going to have to deal with being in the tension of church and state. So we could either say, we're all Jesus and we're going to preach at you and you just have to receive it. Or we're going to have to say, we're going to respect the boundaries that you place. Just give us the opportunity to connect with the girls. Mm -hmm. And so 
you know, strongly as I am as a pastor of a local church that preaches Jesus every week, I understood that this was a different territory. Mm-hmm. And that I was going to have to be as wise as possible to find a way to make the church part of the answer and the solution in our community. So once we um, were able to engage a couple meetings with them and we reassured them that we were not going to turn this into a religious opportunity for us to, you know, bring our faith and impose it upon the girls. Our first gathering, we met with DCFS and we met with probation and we gave them the flyers. We had no idea how many girls would show up. Now, before I go on, I want to share something with you. And that is, I love this quote by Dr. John Perkins. And he says, passion is pain on top of pain, pursuing pain in order to find joy. And when he said that, I thought like, man, this isn't supposed to be easy. Mm. And, and their joy is a result, but it's just not going to be easy for the church. And I need to pastor my church in order for them to understand that this is an opportunity God is giving us, right? And I get super emotional about it because our conference is this Saturday. The first time we did this, we didn't know we were going to have 10 girls, 20 girls. And DCFS and probation brought almost 200 girls to us. And it was unbelievable. We were blown away by the response. Um, This created the foundation for a relationship between our church and probation and the Department of Child and Family (laughs) Services. From this point moving forward, when there was a need... Um, there was a family going through something hard. We get the email. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, is there anything your church can do th- for this family? Hey, we got a group of kids that were in a lot of trouble. They're doing better in their grades, and we want to celebrate them. Could your church provide some pizza and maybe a few gifts? Can you guys do it? And we're like, yes, yes. And so our church is not like this huge mega church. We're a solid church. You know, we're an urban church. We're a church of about 1,000 people, but we've been pastoring for 10 years. But we're not this church that has all this... We, we, we pastor in Long Beach. This is like urban. We're not pastoring millionaires. You know what I'm saying? So for us, it was really important that any local church at any level could do something like this. Um, every year, our influence grew. And for me, it's really powerful to, to say this to the church at large is that it's not so much only about how large the numbers are in the local church because numbers are important in the local church. Those are souls that are being saved. But also the influence you have in your city is powerful. When your church becomes an answer, I always say, um, who does 911 call? And wouldn't it be powerful if it was actually a church? Right. That when they find, you know, when police finds itself, or government finds itself in a situation, they're like, hey, there's a church that helps people, helps kids. And so we've continued our relationship with the Department of Child and Family Services we, we've partnered also with other organizations like Safe Families, um, Covenant for Kids, just finding ways to connect with the kids that are most at risk. Um, the scripture tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has really good plans for our lives, right? And we love to quote that scripture. But the only way we're going to get God's great plans for the future and the hope that he has desired for us is if we do the verse that is previous to that verse, which people never want to quote. The Bible says to seek the peace and the prosperity of the city, which I have carried you into exile. 
Pray for the Lord. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you will prosper. He says, for I know I have the plans I have for you. So he's saying there are plans of blessing, but you need to seek the peace of the city. And the way we're trying to do it through Brave is to seek the peace of the life of young girls who are most vulnerable and most at risk. Now, what we did intentionally is that every aspect of the conference that we put together for the girls is infused with faith, but it's not Jesus in your face. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like every one of our speakers is a woman who is a pastor, a ministry. You know, they're, ha- they're, they're, what, they're, um, they're Instagram. They're women of God, men of God, powerful people who have gone through hell in their life at some point, but there was a turnaround. So what we always want is for the girls to hear the story of somebody who went through something real in life. You know, we don't want just somebody to come and share about how sweet and peachy their life was and how their parents were so encouraging for their education and how they reached their goals and dreams, right? We want them to hear about, man, this is the hard stuff I went through. This is the pain I went through. And then they can share where faith intersected their story, right? Because you talk, that's your story. You're not, you don't have to open a Bible to say, but then a youth pastor one time told me that, that I had value. Yeah. So they share the message of hope in a way where all the probation officers and city officials that are in our gathering are not going to feel offended, but it's simply your story. Yeah. Um, we have our worship team do music, and we do giveaways, and we have lunch. We've got breakfast for the girls. We've got dessert. It becomes like something they've never experienced before, and I feel there's something powerful about people having an aha and a wow moment in the house of God. Um, I, had to, I have to explain to our volunteers every time. We have about 120 to 150 volunteers at every conference. And I have to explain to them every time that we are like Jesus with Zacchaeus. When Jesus walked into Zacchaeus' house, it was the presence of Jesus that caused him to do a huge turnaround and exposing people to the presence of God. Jesus didn't have to say, hey, I'm Jesus, and I'm in your house. <laughs> Jesus simply walked in his presence, changed Zacchaeus. Amen. And so what we want as a church is the presence of Jesus in us through a hug or a handshake can change the way this girl feels about God. Amen. So if we even get to initiate a conversation between her and God, and if that's the seed we plant, then we're happy and we're okay with that. Because somebody else is going to come along and water it, right? Yeah. So I was speaking at a conference with pastors and leaders a few years ago, and I was sharing about Brave. This girl came up to me, and this woman came up to me who's a leader in this organization, and she said, when I came to faith, I fell in love with Jesus, but it took me a long time to love the church. She said, I grew up in foster care, and there were churches that were blocks away from where I grew up, and nobody ever reached out to me. Nobody was intentional about caring enough to come and say, hey, come hang out with us, or hey, we're doing this for all the young girls in this community. Do you want to come? She said, I wish I could have gone to something like this and heard about a hope or a story that would have inspired me as a young girl. And I thought, man, I've made a decision in my local church that this is not going to be the case, but on my watch. The girls in our community will know that there's a church that cares about them, that understands, that sees them, that we value them. And um, in the last four years, the conference has grown by over 100 each time. We're having our conference for the fourth time. We've done five events for the girls, but this is our fourth official conference this coming Saturday. And we already have over 700 registered. 
Because every year probation has said, we trust you guys. These girls talk about the conference for weeks after, and they say their attitude towards their education changes because they hear the story of women who have been through foster care who are lawyers now, but they are women of faith. And so they're like, if she can do it, I can do it. And if we can provide that kind of peace in our city, in the life of a young girl, and let her know, despite the circumstances, there's a hope for you, right? And that's not the only thing that we do. There's other ways, and Miley will share that with you. Um, but before uh, I do that, I, I want you guys just to check out real quick the this video of last year's conference so you guys kind of get a glimpse of what it looks like with the girls coming in. and They have a blast. They have a great time, but they leave so encouraged. They come in in a bad mood. It's the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> and they drop F-bombs as they're coming in, like, what the F are we doing here? Why do we have to come? They're not happy. They're really angry, and when I come out at the end and I say, ladies, we're so glad you came again this year. We've come to the time where we're going to close up the day, and they're like, oh, you hear it in the audience. Because they're so excited that they were able to experience so much love, so much inspiration, so much hope um, of real stories, right? Um, so check this out, and then I'll come back up, and, and then Miley can... ended up happening is after our second time doing this and as the numbers grew I was able to meet um, my friend Danielle Strickland maybe some of you know her or you've heard of her um, and she came to one of our conferences and she works with women in brothels in Canada and in Australia and all over the place she's a crazy lady <laughs> she's crazy she's crazy she was the speaker on the video because we had her as main stage speaker last year and so she said we need to take this around the world like the church knows how to put up together events. If we can get the church to not be afraid to step into the government spaces, we could change the numbers of women that are being trafficked. And I was like, okay. 
<laughs> I was like, okay. So, um, as of last year in December, we became what is known now as Brave Global. Um, there have been Braves that have taken place throughout our country, and now abroad, Miley will share more about that. But one of the girls that's on our board, Danielle and I are the co-founders of Brave Global. And um, one of the girls that is on our board, Lisa Barnes, was in foster care for many years and moved through many homes, and she's our writer. So what we're doing is we're creating curriculum that is, that is government-friendly. There's some faith elements in it, but then you get, you know, quotes by great leaders, Nelson Mandela, other people that we respect. Um, so that the girls could actually do book clubs in their schools, the church could do book clubs with them at the group homes, and just develop a relationship of saying, like, you can be brave. So this year our theme was Brave, This Is Me. Lisa Barnes wrote this. We have these available out there in case you want to buy them, check them out. It might be a great way for you to connect. Even starting some relationship with the group homes, if there's 15 girls in there, you're impacting their life by starting something small for them. We always tell churches, you don't have to start with a conference, even though it's not impossible. Like, really, we're going to make it through our program. We make it so easy for churches that are smaller. We have video teaching. We got because we need to make sure that there's stories that are that actually are authentic to the, the girls' lives. Like it means something to you that somebody was, you know, trafficked or somebody was abandoned by alcoholic parents, drug addicts. You know, the stories that we do are stories of girls who have gone through something difficult, but now they are strong women who are successful in their lives, who marry children, have now a toddler story. So. Um, this book is available out there in case you guys want to buy one and check one out and maybe consider, and maybe there's teachers in your school who would want to do a book club. You know what I'm saying? Like so many ways to connect with girls that are most at risk and most vulnerable. And like I clearly have so many things I want to share with you guys because God has done so many incredible things through this far beyond anything I could imagine or dream. Um, so I say we don't despise a day of small beginnings, but man, small beginnings for God when he trusts you with something that is bigger than you, it causes you to lean into him. Yeah. And so what God is doing with this now is above and beyond us. But it's exciting because we really believe that the numbers of girls that are going to be trafficked in the next years to come, if the church awakens to this, man, those numbers could be affected drastically. That market of women being trafficked in America and abroad could be affected if the girls come in contact with stories and with the body of Christ and with believers who display a love that says we value, we see you, and Miley will share more about. Um, Miley um, Waterman is the CEO of Brave, so I was glad she was available. And by the way, if any of you happen to live around here or you're in town through Saturday and you want to come to our conference as a guest to just check it out and be like, maybe this is something we would like to do, let us know, and we'd love to host you so that you could see it in person and, and experience it with all these beautiful girls that come through our doors. Miley Waterman, thank you for helping you, sister. sister out. Thank you. <laughs> pray for her. Pray for her voice. We have a huge weekend ahead. And the next weekend, Josh and Noemi and all of us are, um, God's made a way for us to open our second campus yeah. here in Southern California. So there is just a little bit going on. Revive Church. Revive Church. Yeah, well, see, I changed the logo. Do you see? I did that this morning. So uh, two weeks ago, we announced that we are Revive Church, no longer 7th Street Church, because we are one church with two campuses now, which is so exciting. So our our second site is going to be in El Monte, and we are going back and forth from here to there, laying down floor, painting walls. She's at Home Depot buying wood. I mean, she's like, she does everything. Um, Anyway, so how many, um, 
I like to call them middle middle leaders. Do I have in here like kids? Project, man, project management, kids ministry, that sort of thing. Okay, yeah, I, I know there's a lot of lead pastors here, but I just want to say to you all in that middle-level leadership like myself, um, you know, just trust your leaders. The first time I came to the ARC conference, I heard Andy Stanley open up with um, there's the how people, like me, operations. Yeah. How's that even going to happen? Then you have the wow people that all of you lead pastors that have the big ideas and the visions and the creativity and us how people are like, what? No, that's what, I don't know how that's going to happen. And you start thinking about the logistics of it all. But, you know, God has placed a special calling and a special anointing on your leaders and um, has given them those visions. And that's a God that we're also, as middle leadership, supposed to trust. And so I just encourage you, if you're in middle leadership today, if you are in the ops person or the project manager, if you're working in, in Kid City um, or with your youth, you know, and, you know, just trust your leaders. Trust that God has given them the vision that is supposed to be carried out by you and the other people on your team. So back to Brave. Um, Brave Global, like Noemi said, was incorporated just about 10 months ago. And um, it's been an exciting journey because um, Danielle and Noemi, who have been um, the visionaries, you know, they, they have quite a reach. They are international speakers, both of them. She would never say that, but she's been all, all over lately. And, and they've been... Um, They've been giving us Brave a platform, and it has just exploded, and I'll show you a little bit about that. We already saw what a Brave conference looks like. Um, here is the Brave in Mariners, at Mariners Church in Irvine. So that was, that was really cool. After our second Brave, Mariners Church called us, our little church. We were a 7th Street church back then. They were like, hey, can you coach us? We were like, what? Are you that mega church in Orange County? Yeah, sure. So um, they, I know they were like, sure, no problem. Um, so we have been coaching them for the last couple of years. They're obviously on their own, and, and they've just done their second brave as of uh, April. And they have over a thousand girls every time. And the, the model that they have that Brave Global has adopted for staying in touch and engaged with the foster care community is just amazing. And, and I'll tell you a little bit about that. But this is this is their event uh, from April. It happened in uh, Phoenix at Central Christian Church a couple of years ago. We coached them along. And uh, Set Free Ministries in Spring Arbor, Michigan, uh, that was also in April. And they had uh, 50 girls come. It was their very first one. They're already planning their second one. And uh, North Platte, Nebraska, there's been a brave there. They got they made it on the local news. And then Salvation Army and Union Gospel Mission in Seattle, Washington, they had 200 girls, and that was their second one. And that that's where Lisa Barnes is the author of our yeah. of our journal. So brave pillars. So um, this is what we believe in. This is what we stand by. This is what we coach churches to adopt: are these pillars, equality and dignity, the idea that we see you, and that you matter. Okay. Um, hope and empowerment for these girls in whatever situation there is. We we tell them, look it. There, there's it's not without hope. We want to empower you to understand that there's a purpose and a calling over your life that might be different from what you've been experiencing and whether what other people maybe what society's telling you. But this is what we know to be true, and 
like Naomi said, we pray every time we do this event that there's a girl that's going to hear something that is going to truly change the, tra the trajectory of, of their lives. We can all think of something that we've heard in our childhood or maybe in our youth days, negative or positive, that we'll never forget, right? We hope that at these events that that experience happens in a positive way for these girls. We believe in you and you can do it. And the last one, inclusion and mutuality. No matter how you, uh, what, what experiences you've had, no matter what people have said about you, no matter what you think about yourself, no matter your race, your age, your ethnicity, we believe that you are to be included and we believe in mutuality. We are with you and you belong here, is the message. And the brave distinctives for brave partner churches, we intentionally reach vulnerable girls, foster care, probation, sexually abused from divorced families. We see empowerment as the goal. We want girls to be strong and free. Brave celebrates diversity, all colors, shapes, and sizes. Brave connects the community and the local church to work together. Brave believes girls are the solution and not the problem. So I think that there's a common misconception that um, at-risk girls are from urban areas, like maybe just from Long Beach or L.A., you know, but um, that's, that's not true. All girls, all girls are truly at risk, and that's why we believe that it's the local church's responsibility to respond to these girls, no matter where your church lies. I mean, Mariners, they're in a uh, seemingly, you know, very safe area, in this, in this nation, and those girls are dealing with um, a lot of issues. Maybe they've been trafficked, maybe they haven't, but there's depression, anxiety, suicide, they're cutting themselves, they're being bullied. I mean, all girls truly are at risk. Um, life after the big event, I, I mentioned that Mariners has a great model, and um, we're, we're coaching churches to adopt this. So any time you can get in touch with them for, as a local church to provide in-home studies, like the Brave Curriculum or others that we offer, uh, becoming a Safe Families church. If you don't know what Safe Families is, you have to look them up. They are um, bridging the gap between the local church and um, foster care. So, so if can you help me explain what they do? Uh, so what they do is that uh, Safe Families, I, I love what Safe Families mm -hmm. does because before a family is taken, um, separated because of financial distress or the mom has a job and she doesn't have a babysitter. So before the government comes and says, we're taking your kids away because you're not taking good care of them, and she's trying to survive, o over 90% of the people Safe Families work with are single moms. So what Safe Families does is that they coach people in churches, fingerprint families, and that family becomes like an adopted family to mm -hmm. this girl who doesn't have a support system. So if she needs to work that day, she calls her Safe Family and says, hey, they changed my hours, can you watch my daughter? Yes, we'll watch her. You don't have to make an appointment to come see her later. Mm -hmm. If she needs to spend the night, Safe Families is like, if you have a sofa for your that child to sleep in, you don't have to have like a whole bedroom set. Mm -hmm. You're basically saying, I'm auntie and I'm uncle, and we're going to take care of the baby while you go to work so that you're not leaving your 8-year-old by themselves at home and calling to see if they're safe because you're trying to provide for them and nobody's helping you. So it's basically moms that are struggling so much and they have no support system. And Safe Family says, we're going to step in before the government does because you don't deserve to be separated from your child because you're struggling. Mm. And we're going to provide a Christian home. And a lot of times these families and these um, um, safe families and, and, these, and these young families or like mom and kids end up becoming like family. Like they spend Thanksgiving together. They're like, hey, you're part of our family now. The, you know, grandma becomes grandma to the baby. And they're like, we care about your life. We're not going to let you sink or drown or get your baby taken away from you. There's not like 
these issues in her life of addiction where she's using drugs in a band, she's just a single mom who's struggling and it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And so Safe Families comes in and coaches churches and says, do you want to be a safe family? Do you want to, you know, it's beautiful. And they directly work with believers on purpose because it's providing a, a net for yes. these families. So, Thank you very much. See, yes. So good. Um, so safe family, becoming a safe family's church is really easy. <laughs> if you're like me, you're like, well, we don't have the staff. We don't have the infrastructure. We know. Um, that's that's always the issue but really the burden is not placed on our church staff we're a safe families church as as about a year ago we had 35 people respond to that call and they safe families literally takes those names makes those profiles and they follow up with them so the burden is not on you and your staff for that so so that's that's exciting right (laughs) who needs more work um it's really important as as um we're coaching these brave partner churches um to make it make them understand the importance of not just having an event for event's sake, right? We can do that all day long, all year long, have an event and then tell these girls, see you next year. I remember the first time we had a brave event, I was um, running around at the end and I told a girl, oh, see, see you next year. I hope I'll see you next year. And she looked at me and she goes, I don't even know where I'm going to be in a month. I mean, these girls are getting moved around sometimes every 30 days from group home to group home. And so... It's imperative that as a Brave Partner Church, you stay engaged. You find ways like this to stay engaged with the foster community long after the event and all year round. Um, You know, we are also really intent on making sure the caregivers get the support. Caregivers are the heroes. I mean, if you know anything about this community, these caregivers are super weary, whether you're a social worker, a probation officer. um, You know, these these people are just running around half the time just chasing these girls, trying to get them into into a safe home and keep them off the streets, keep them from going back to what they think is safe and what they think is best for them. You know, maybe it's maybe it's a pimp who's just brainwashed them. Maybe it's an unsafe situation with a relative. I mean, these social workers are truly at the front line. So at our conference, we're able to build out a caregiver's lounge where we have, you know, coffee and snacks for them. And about 14 different service providers from the community will be there with us on Saturday. And they'll be able to get these caregivers some resources and things that they need to to better equip them on their journey. And then the Brave Journal, that's the last one that Noemi talked about. Um, this is the foster care funnel of services. So, you know, this is just a way uh, as, as, as you become a Brave Partner Church for you to understand that you are probably going to have people that fall into different areas of this funnel. So there's that education piece, learning about how foster youth works and how you can make a difference. Maybe you're going to be a praying church or sharing church or a supporting church. Maybe you're just going to offer to partner with a church that's doing their own brave conference, but you're going to offer them resources or a prayer team. You know, there's so many different ways that you can become involved. Okay. Then the volunteering level, that's, that's obviously where you would volunteer at different events like brave all the way on down to mentoring, hosting, fostering, and then to adopting all, you know, that, that's where the, the fewest people will end up, but the funnel is wide enough at the top where so many people can become a part of this movement. Um, we've already talked about the journal, and this year um, we're having a self-defense specialist come out to our event. She's going to be um, doing a demo on stage, and then a month later she's going to be coming out to do a workshop, and we're going to invite these girls back to the church and their caregivers to take part in a self-defense workshop. She did this for Mariners, and she actually did a, a six-week-long series for self-defense, and, and we do believe those things go hand-in-hand, hand, so we're excited to Can have I just her. Can I say something? Yeah. You know what's really cool is that... <clears throat> Like our conference this year and last year was held at another church who knows who heard of Brave 
and they basically were like, you can use our mega church for free, our facility, we'll provide everything, you can set up everything, like, the kingdom, kingdom, they're like, we love what you're doing, can we just have a few people from our church volunteer with you guys, and you can use our facility, and then our post event, um, we have the food bank at our church that weekend, so we can't take up the space from, from our church parking lot and all of that, so there's another church in the city who was like, you can do it at ours, you can do it in our sanctuary, we'll take out all the chairs, Use our church for your event. Like nobody's like, oh, we're we're so packed in our schedule and our agenda's too full. We can't do it. It's like the kingdom of God coming together in the local cities and people saying, let's do this together for the girls. You know? Yeah. It's beautiful. It really is a beautiful thing. Um, This is new as of last year. We're offering a Brave Scholar Award. This year, three girls will get selected. Um, There's a whole application process, but they're girls who will graduate in 2019 who are pursuing higher education. And last year, I don't have the photos of them, but. um, the two girls that got selected last year, our team took them out to a really nice dinner, gave them their scholarship, their award, and they, they came with their social workers. And it was just exciting. One of them was such a spitfire. She was like, she had, she was graduating early. She was still in the foster care system. She had been, from a very, very young age, horrific story. She had been sold by her own mother. Her mother then passed away. She and her sister had been split up. They were in different group homes. She was really excited because the week after we took her to dinner, she was finally going to get to move closer to her sister. They can't be in the same house for some reason but she was going to get to see her from time to time this girl is graduating early had been accepted to a college and she is the epitome of what being brave is she is like overcoming her circumstances we're just so proud of her so we're hoping this year that um we get the response that we did last year and we're able to award three of them this time so that's really exciting yeah um i think that's it i think that is it do you want to share about the Moldova and Russia? And- oh, yes. Okay, thank you. Yes. Where has Brave been? Where is Brave going? So on a larger level, so we, I like to say global for reals because it really is for reals. This is in the United States. Um, the The yellow dots represent where Brave has been, and we talked about those churches a little bit ago. The red dots are the coaches that are, uh, the churches that are being coached right now in the U.S. And then uh, for real, so we have the Congo. These are girls from a village in the Congo where we uh, have uh, Kelly Kelly, another self-defense specialist, (laughs) teaching these girls self-defense and going through the Brave curriculum with them. The funny thing about this village is, uh, this home, is that she showed up there and the security guards said to her, hey, before you train the girls on self-defense, can you train us? (laughs) Like, okay, sure. So she did that first. Um, And then Kenya, this is a, this is a home called Beehive, and they're a home that hosts, well, they have capacity for eight child mothers right now. They have over 13 child mothers. So in this village, if you um, become pregnant because you were, maybe you were, you know, raped by a family member or somebody else, the, your family disowns you. I mean, you cannot come back, so they don't have anywhere to go. And so they are pregnant or they're with child with literally no home. And so this is one of um, the facilities that Beehive has, and they take in these women and they allow them to have their kids there. They provide child care. They help raise their kids so that these mothers can go finish their schooling. They can get job skills training. And then um, after two to three years, I'm told that's about 
the time frame, they're released back out into the real world with all of that training, all of those skills, but one of their imperatives is that they um, do something in the community to empower other young girls, okay? So this is really cool. We, we were just able to send them boxes of journals so they can start going through the Brave Identity curriculum over there, yeah. The dream for us is that churches that become Brave churches, like that there be a partnership between churches in America and that we at our conference are intentional about telling girls what you're doing here today, like whatever it is, whether it's a donation or what, you know, ours is always completely free, everything is covered. Um, but we all have like um, sell stuff, like hey, if you buy anything 100%, what it's doing is it's gonna fund a brave abroad. You're making a girl brave in another country. Yeah. You are a brave girl and you're, you're empowering other girls that are in situations that are similar. Yeah, it's cool. It's um, I'm glad you said that. At Mariners, they had a station where their brave girls could write love notes to the brave girls in the Congo. Because Kelly Kelly's a part of Mariners. So, so she was able to take them with her just last month. And then um, we, our girls are going to be writing love notes to the girls in uh, Russia and Moldova, which I'll go over in just a second. So, um, yeah, it's, it's connecting girls, empowering them to understand that not only um, you know, m- maybe they see themselves as victims or that's what people are telling them they are and that's the identity that they're embodying, but to allow them to get outside themselves enough to see, no, I can actually connect with other people. I can empower another girl. I don't have to be the victim. I don't have to wear that label. I can actually um, come out of my circumstance and understand that I have a different identity and I can empower somebody else. I can love on somebody else. I have that. I'm equipped to do that. I I just think that's beautiful. This is um, the Brave Journal that was translated a year and a half ago into Russian. That's the translator. And we partnered with the Salvation Army over there and um, the girls in Russia uh, have been using that for the last year. And um, near Russia, actually in Moldova, which is a very small country in Eastern Europe, it's a very poor country. And um, there is a team of women, this is Rhonda right here. She and a team of women have been going down to um, Moldova. And the thing about Moldova is they don't have um, a child welfare system. They don't have a foster system. So there are just street children everywhere, without homes, without um, food, without the necessities of life. Um, so you can imagine the crime there is um, at an all-time high, and there, and it's just a very, very poor country. So Rhonda and her team have been going out to visit some of the women there who have been trafficked. And the thing about the girls there that have been trafficked is that um, their perpetrators receive what we're told is uh, equivalent to a $100 fine, and then they're the ones who get imprisoned because they were trafficked. And so, like this mother that you see here, um, sometimes the only way for them to stay out of prison is to keep having babies. Okay, so it's a, it's a sad situation, it's a dire situation, but this woman has, um, and her team have made it their life's mission to go and to not only preach the gospel, but to empower these young girls. And they're also going about 30 miles north to a prison in Ruska, where where a lot of these girls are. And um, we were just able to sponsor another translation into Romanian, which is the language they speak there. So they're going to get the journal soon in Romanian and some shirts and some other fun stuff uh, to take into the prisons and down to these villages. These villages, you can only get there by... um, by foot or by horse cart. So these women are like, they're the real deal. They are, they are the warriors. 
That makes me emotional. Um, upcoming global efforts are going to be in these uh, countries. Danielle Strickland is just launching it in, in uh, Toronto this next year, so this is exciting. We have the, uh, the journal being translated into Spanish now. So there's a lot coming up for, for Brave. And um, if you're interested in finding out what it means to become a Brave Partner Church or you just want information on how to maybe be connected with a church that's already doing their own Brave Conference, um, you can email me at info at braveglobal.org and um, ask me whatever questions you want. Um, the website is braveglobal.org. You can follow us on Instagram. And we'd love to either coach you or just give you more information or, or, or pray with you. Okay? Awesome. We have some time. Um, I don't know if we want to continue recording or if we want to just go into a time of questions and answers even now. We have about 10, 15 minutes maybe. Um, yes. You were saying about how each year you have more and more and more kids coming to these conferences. Are uh, are most of them like repeat girls? Like they come back every year? Or are but because some of them are either aging out yeah. between ages twelve and eighteen. Mm-hmm. So some of them are like excited to get to come back, and some of them aren't in the area or you know. Mm-hmm in the district area what they can be brought in or driven in, you know. So, yeah, it's great that we meet because we want them to continue to connect with us and continue to see them, but sometimes it's not. So, so uh, are you hearing about the curriculum? Do you have any idea we have connected with in India? Because we are also working with trafficking girls in India. We have 129 states in India. Yes. All people are brought to Bombay as a trafficking concern. Yes. And uh, so we rescued many girls from the red light district. And uh, we have a sewing center where these girls learn how to yes. stitch the ladies' purses and bags and t-shirts. And uh, But we don't have any like curriculum for uh, teaching yeah. some things. Can you connect us to somebody? Who wants to translate? Yeah. 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 We have, yeah. We have yeah. people. We have people. We're not. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And also, as you told uh, uh, the children, we also taken my wife and we adopted more than like 20 children from the red light district. God bless you. Amazing them because they are like a pimps. They yes. go after, they go become a pimps. And we saw these small children, they had drugs and alcohol, small children. Yes. So we asked one of the lady. He said, Pastor, I only give my son alcohol. And I said, how you can give to your child drugs and alcohol? Because what I have to do? The 10 by 10 room we have, we have to sleep with the customer. So we have to give alcohol and drugs and put him under the bed and sleep with the customer. So that's really hard And uh, we are working in that area. And I really appreciate that work. That's why I was really happy yes. to come and listen to get we'll more. We love to connect and exchange like information because yes, yeah. we love to translate. And we love to you to come, brave and yes. if you come and connect yes. with us, we can do a lot of things. I love us. it. Yeah. And there's a lot of things. Yes, we yeah. can. Mm-hmm. No limits to that. Thank you. Yes, we we'll want to get information yes. before. Good work you're doing. Thank you for the work you're doing. Yes, sir. I, uh, Seattle, 
getting paid and we are just bringing in enough to keep things going and to contribute to, you know, in small ways to these different countries and um, to coach churches along. We have volunteer coaches that are in touch with all of the, the places that I mentioned. So, um, but yeah, we, we could use contributors. We could use donors. I mean, if, if we had the money, we would be, you know, I would have like a legit accounting person and development person right now. Um, it's been barely a year and we're just kind of Finding our so footing. you guys get to hear about it right now, so in years to come. When you're still yes. Yeah. You're like, man, I, I, heard, I, heard, I heard them talk about it. Like, yeah. Was, like, Remember there. when they had no money? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true. Okay, God, true. God's making it happen. Yeah, right before, yes, the, yes. right before you guys get that windfall. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, oh, go on. So I, I heard the, the part that you guys said. Um, you guys have made relationships with the city, um, connecting uh, people in the foster care industry. I would like to hear a little bit more about that because I, I love how you guys have this component where you are trying to seek the church to come out and to help more and to stay connected. I, I love that anti-role. We got to talk. But um, I also have... Uh, a belief or a heart that the church should be doing even more than that and stepping yeah. into foster. And so, what do you guys have any plans to address that? Is that a part of what you're doing or going to do? Yeah, so. And what does it look like? Well, so what it looks like. Um, as far as connecting the church with those people. So we have on our board, we have a, um, a woman who helped us birth this at our local church and she's our national communities liaison. And she has, she has inroads because she works for the city of Long Beach to all different kinds of people in power in all different cities across the, um, the nation. So she's been able to, when a, when a church comes on board that doesn't have those connections with those, um, with the city or with the government, she's been able to connect them right away. So that's something that we can offer, but we do coach churches like, I was saying in that funnel to um, to do what they can to not just make it about that event so that they're you know engaging with the foster community long after that so what does that look like it can look like safe families it can look like um, you going to your to your local foster office and just you know doing a bringing donuts to the social workers it can look like getting in on any level that's going to get you that foothold so that you can spread the love does that make sense okay so it's a it, it you guys are trying to hit every aspect. Yeah, because we don't want... Here's the thing is that for the church at large and for people at large, the foster care system is very intimidating. They're very, like, it makes them very nervous. So we're like, can you just take a step? Because once you start taking steps of faith into the territory that God wants to claim, people's hearts become ignited and it looks different in every church and in every individual's response, right? Mm-hmm. So the people in our church who are like, I want to be a safe family. Not everybody said they wanted to be a safe family. So I'm like, 
I'll volunteer at Brave or I'll help sponsor some girls to go to Brave. Like every business. Yeah. So the thing is, is that as the Holy, as we present the opportunities, let the Holy Spirit do what He wants to do, and just encourage the church to engage those relationships. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so never, um, never to. Um, put an expectation on people that they don't feel assigned to in that moment. Although it doesn't matter how much you could say, oh, I would never see myself serving at the capacity. The Holy Spirit could wreck you and do whatever he wants, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for us, it's just important for the churches in America to be awakened to this. This is a small step. Like The conference is the easiest part of this. Right. Even though it's going to cost money because it takes right. brave churches to say financially we're going to contribute put some of our money towards this we had to do it as a church um, because it mattered to us it's a, it's a mission for us right mm-hmm. so even doing even a church saying okay we're going to ask some of our members to give to this that already is a step of faith for most churches who feel like our our budget's full with a lot of other stuff so it just it's a baby step the event is a baby step but once the girls are there it it wrecks your church community what it does to the people they're like what else can we do yeah. How can we do more? So it's what we want to do is put a pat, like a, like just like a padding between the fear of foster care for the local church, and 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 the actual foster care kids that can actually be beautifully affected and um, you know impacted. And it's the, the the education and awareness piece as a church leader is so important because you have people, no doubt, in your congregation who do not understand that human trafficking is an issue. Or that it's an an issue in your backyard, like right. literally in in Long Beach, it's like right right outside of our door. It's happening under our noses. So educating your congregation and making them aware that, like you know, this statistic, it's not true for every county, but for LA County, there's thirty thousand kids in the foster care system. There are two thousand churches in LA County. Right. If every church could take responsibility for fifteen kids, that's the math. Yeah. I mean, think of where we would yeah. be. I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of it's educating them. It's a, it making them aware of these kinds of things. And are you guys going to have a component of that eventually on the global portion? For, like by, for by county? For, yeah, like to to make them more or to educate them? Well, what we try to do as we're coaching them, like it, as a brave partner search, if you were from wherever you mean, you Globally, out, outside of the country or yeah. here? Here in the U.S., but oh, then yeah. elsewhere too, but here. Part, yeah, yeah. yeah, part of the coaching is understanding what the stats are in their county or in their city and sharing that with them so they can go back to their church okay. and do that same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, of course. I'm just here. I'm from Antioch, Long Beach. Um, we love your pastor. Your pastor's wife, uh, Maisha Cheney, is speaking Saturday at our conference. Yeah. You guys heard Wayne Cheney? You guys heard the closer? You guys heard the closer in the seven minutes? His wife is our speaker this year for our conference. Yes. One thing, though, I'd like to share, as Mohani was talking about education, before we went into Braid and trying to do that conference, we did a conference on It's Closer Than You Think. The education is of the parents, the, the school system, anybody in your community that cares about our children. And we did a conference where we taught um, about human trafficking and how prevalent it is in our communities and we don't realize it. And it wasn't a huge conference. We had maybe 300 people there. But the one thing, there was one young lady that was saved by the information that her mother received 
from the probation officers, the human trafficking, homeland security, and all that. So if you don't want to step into one of these areas, that's kind of an opening door that yes. we yes. to bring individuals the awareness. Yes, like I said, we named it, you know, it's closer than you think. When we have police officers, we have different individuals, and because Long Beach is a port city, commercially, so that's another Possibility. Yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Huge education. Yeah. Education yeah. Is very important. Yes. Mm-hmm. And every. Oh, oh, go ahead. Uh, I know that you and your husband crashed together. Yeah. So, what's the husband's role? <laughs> <laughs> my husband, he's like yeah. my biggest cheerleader. Like, <laughs> like, how, yeah, like, what does that look like? What is, you know what I'm saying? Like, what yeah. does that look like for a senior pastor? Maybe his wife's not even here. What does that look like for him? You know, for. Um, I think it it's female-led for us, are brave, um, but as far as, my husband has had a, a role like where he's been like the guy on stage that interviews the panel mm-hmm. as a male voice, you know what I'm saying? Because we always want to have male voice for the girls to hear a male speak mm-hmm. words that are mm-hmm. Christ-like for them, you know? Mm-hmm. So he'll do that. He's always present at, at every conference. Um, and so he basically champions it from stage as well. Do you know what I'm saying? When he talks about our church being a church that's willing to do whatever we have to do to connect with people who are far from Jesus, he champions brave. He champions our our, our drugs uncovered ministry, which is doing the outreach. Um, so it's, I think for him, it's championing it and speaking up about it as well. And today, if Miley wasn't available, he would have been here with me, and he would have shared with you guys about grief. Yeah. Um, but um, she wasn't a glad because she is a CEO. Yeah. <laughs> he, he gave us free office space at their church. Oh, so. yeah. He's that's big, another thing you do. You guys can take this office he's like, and bring global office yeah. for you guys. And he's awesome. So he's, in, he's, he's encouraging it in that way. And um, and he addresses human trafficking and he addresses the value of women from stage constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, and how to be a protector and how to, you know, how to love and how to care for I think there are too many church leaders that are concerned or fearful about navigating that line between church and state. And Joshua Chavez, her husband, is not afraid. He's not afraid of most things, but he really is not afraid of that. And having those difficult conversations, not only with um, our advisory boards and the people from the city, uh, he's he's well known in our city, but also with our our congregation and challenging them about those things. And I I mean, that's, yeah. We asked when we the first time when we first started pastoring that we got to meet with like a, the the chief police varsity has been asked how can we better serve our city and he said father the city oh yeah father the city and, and you know it's like this it's a fatherless generation we've got a lot of kids who don't have male examples of what it means to be a father to have a you know that male representation. So, trying to find ways to, to do that better. And we don't have all the answers, but whatever God places in our lane, we're not trying to invent anything that we... We don't want to add anything to our lane that we don't want, that we're inventing ourselves. We want God to trust us with more as we go along and just make the, make it better, right? Yeah. So it, it's, it's... I think that for every one of us, depending on where you're at, what your church is like, it's actually just being willing to take a step of faith in some in some kind of connection with kids in foster care. Yeah. And um, one of the ways that we do receive some funds is when churches become um, global partners is that you you have to register for it, mm-hmm. and the coaching comes through that. Mm-hmm. So there's a fee involved in that, but it's definitely not the fee doesn't even cover what we've done right now. Right. 
but it's being favored. You know, God speeds up things that are in his plans. Mm-hmm. And I always tell our team, yeah. it's because he's got freedom on his mind for these girls. So even the relationship that we were able to develop for the book, this was like, do you guys know who, who our distributor and who printed these for us is the organization called Orange? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Orange? yeah. yeah. So yeah. they were like, hey, you guys write the curriculum, we'll print it for you guys. We want to partner with them. We're not. We don't want to make money off of this. We want to empower the church to connect with girls in foster care. We'll make it as inexpensive as possible. And they're the ones who literally did this. No, this is a, this is our our flyer for this year. And there's my Asian team. And um, so it like for Orange, Reggie Joiner to say. Hey, can we meet? Can we fly you guys into Seattle after one of our tours? We want to meet with you guys. We want to ask you some questions. He sat with us for days. He sat with us for days. And then he was like, okay, we're in. Yeah. He's like, let's do this. And so Lisa Barnes, who opens up this, the, the, the page, writing a letter to her 12-year-old self. self yeah. She writes a letter to her 12-year-old self that every girl needs to read. She's going to be our author every year for, for the next, it's going to be a five-year thing where we release the book every year. She was in 37 homes by the time she was 18. That's the author of that book. That's the author of this book. Is it exciting? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, God keeps blowing our minds away. It's just bigger than us, and that's what makes us have to trust him and to see what God wants to do in churches across our country. That's so good. You know, step in faith and say, let's, let's give this a shot. Yeah. Did you have a question? I was because I, um, you know, and we kind of like giggled at the question because, like, you know, we, we seem to always assume that we're the other half should be involved. And, huh. You know, I, it makes me interested to know, like, sitting in this room, I've been having a lot of like, conversations in classrooms, like, the majority are female, and I look, uh, I'm all about female empowerment, there's probably not a better feminist in the world, but, you know, I'm also like, as a male, I struggle at times, like, you know, where is my space in this? I don't want to invoke trauma or, you know, past pain um, from the, the people with whom I interact. Um, and so learning um, learning that balance of, like, not only providing administrative cheerleading support, but also being able to, like, step in in relationship and say, like, this is, like, a voice yeah. is deeper, but also full of grief. And how can I, like, demonstrate God's love to everyone. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times, I mean, God's also blessed with the story of being a foster kid myself, mm. right? And so, like, being able to get past the whole male persona and become a person, yes. um, that's been huge for me. Um, and so I would just encourage, like, you know, especially in the men in this room to, like, talk to other men about this, um, bring up the issue, so uh, yes. empower, like, the people around you who are trying to do the work um, and allow kind of like God the Father to actually become real with people. Because when they don't have a good understanding of what yes. the Father looks like on this earth, they're never going to be And so, how can we as men, how can we as you know, people who are born boys, um, step into that space um, and feel comfortable mm-hmm. and brave, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, Okay. Just, like, really all Thank, you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. We have to end. Okay. We, I have to end. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she, they'd be happy to answer yeah, the question, but we just have to. <laughs> can we just give it up for? <laughs>